Welcome to Control-Alt-Revolt, the podcast. This is episode 161, and I feel like I should have cleared my throat before I did that, so I'm going to do it right now. Alright, I'm ready to record, baby. Peek, <laughs> peek behind the curtain, everybody. little peek behind the show magic. <laughs> exactly. Watch your fingers and toes, you might lose some kids. Ooh, how would that happen? That doesn't sound good. Um, I, weren't we in a show at a theater once that had a history of a piano being dropped mm. on a guy's feet from LA Opera from from a actual great distance and yeah. he couldn't walk anymore and his career was ruined. Yeah, we did hear. Yeah, that. they don't tell you a lot in in show business uh, how badly people often get injured. And I was always like super cognizant of that. Like I, I like you know when you're first starting out and you're doing like. Uh, student films or independent films or whatever. I got thrown off a horse one time, and after that, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna play it really safe because people kind of like Uma Thurman got hurt on the set of Kill Bill and mm-hmm. like was jacked up for a long time from it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, there was even a story at LA Opera where a chorus person had died a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, walked off the back and the of like the the riser, the riser was yeah. like went up in the back and it was dark and they just went off like 12 feet and broke their neck. Yeah. Terrible. I think they had like gotten their uh, safety protocols a little better by the time I was there, but still. Not really, because um, they did uh, Grendel. Right. And that was Julie Taymor, Mm -hmm. who is of the Lion King fame. And I remember talking to people who were on that, and and that like that production got waylaid and waylaid because they had a big dragon boat swing on it, and like the male choristers because they were on stage in that part. They would always tell me, like, that was the most dangerous show I was ever in. They were like, death felt like a hair's breadth away every day. Wow. Yeah. And then I think, I think she, oh, she then went on to do Spider-Man in New York, the musical. And like, I think two actors fell to their death. Yeah. Yeah. I know, like. But, but don't, don't worry. She's a woman. And so it's all okay. And she's probably like a lesbian or something like that. (laughs) So like, as, as Alex Jones always says, you know, uh, Apple Apple has uh, slaves in China with the Uyghurs, but it's okay because Tim Cook's gay and he wears a turtleneck. <laughs> and he's right. He's are. 100% right. Like, <laughs> if you are in the protected classes, like they said that about Trump when they were enraged because he discovered their secret power of, like, when the mob loves you, you know, or the media or the front is behind you. You can do whatever you want. And they would like, they would screech in vain. They would re in vain um, because they were like, he, he could just, he could just shoot a baby on Madison Avenue and get away with it. And it's like, yeah, but you guys want to kill babies all the time and get away with it. Yeah. What do you, what do you guys jail? care? <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just doing abortion. Jeez. You know, know. like, but uh, they failed to see the sense of humor. <laughs> exactly. Why did you like that switch in character? That what character? Oh, that switch in character? Um, I don't know. I liked it. it, it We're drinking one of your favorites it. today. Maybe you'd like a nice big pull. A good old... Caramel iced ice mock. Caramel macchiato. When I met you, that was your jam. Mm-hmm. But we ran around and got three dozen bagels today. We did some other things. So we, we said, you know what? Let's get an iced caramel mock. Because it's a little hot here in the Southland today. Yes. And the Medusa is wearing... It's pajama day for Medusa, but not what you would expect. Fancy pajamas, snow bunny pajamas. Snow bunny pajamas, and she is wearing those out to a big steak dinner tonight. Cause they're like not totally pajamas. They're like a little 
fancy loungewear set that is appropriate to wear. Well, here's out what you look like, about. and maybe we should we should find it. But there was a comic book called Alpha Team, and I think there was a girl on there. And I think she was called like North Star or something like that, and it's the same outfit. Okay. Yeah, it's the same outfit. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. It's cute. Yeah, you picked it's it very, up. For it's me. very like on Star Trek: The Next Generation. If they went to the planet of the marabou fur and blue people, <laughs> you would be, you would be wearing that outfit. Yeah, exactly. It's beautiful, and you're getting compliments and stares left and right. Oh, thank you. So maybe we'll try to like either post a picture of North Star if I've got her name right, or you, and we'll say who wore it better. <laughs> and the answer is you, because North Star was a Canadian whore. Okay. That was a Canadian super team. That's why that never took off. But I remember I had a few issues, and I was like, this isn't bad, you know, like. But it was all, like, kind of an X-Men knockoff. Okay. I think that the hero, the angel, was from Alpha Team. Hmm. Yeah. And his big power was he had angel wings. Oh, really? That's it. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I know that Walt Robillard and a few others are probably, like, right now, just, like, put, they're, like, literally cracking their knuckles and rolling up their <laughs> sleeves. And they're like, okay, you've got it all wrong. <laughs> But in my defense, I'm an old man. <laughs> and so it's my show and I can do whatever I want. But please do shout out and correct me. Um, uh, a little, like, because I think Monday turns into our film review day. Because yeah, we go see movies. a lot of times, yeah. And uh, what would you say about Father Stew? We went and saw the uh, Mark Wahlberg, Mel Gibson movie, Father Stew. I know what I'm going to say. I mean, it blew me away um, because, and I kind of like when I go into a movie like this, I didn't know that much at all going in. I knew both of them were in it and Mel Gibson was probably directing it. I was pretty sure. And I knew it was supposed to be funny. And I knew it was like a, uh, a guy that was like always getting into a lot of trouble. And then he becomes a priest and his family's kind of shocked uh, and they can't believe he's going to co- yeah. become a priest. That's all I knew about it. And so I thought, Oh, it's going to be kind of silly and funny. That's it. That's all I was expecting. And you were kind of wrong. It was so much more. And yeah. I was like blown away yeah. and, I, it ended up being a true story, and I didn't know that. I actually didn't know that till the end. Nick yeah. said he saw it flash across. I saw the it at the very the beginning, beginning based on it. based on true events, a true story or something like that. Wow. And um, it's the story of a guy named Stuart Long, who uh, was kind of a down and out boxer, kind of a wild guy. I think I identified with him a little bit because he was kind of a loser actor in Hollywood. And I think he even did better than me. <laughs> yeah. He got a mop commercial. He got a mop commercial. <laughs> yeah, I got a pizza yeah. commercial. And, and then got aced out by some whore who went behind my back and did whatever with the director for my line. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, but Mark Wahlberg, you know, like, I mean, he's such, he's so much fun. That's a fun guy. You can tell. And Mel Gibson you know, like Mel Gibson's always great to watch. I mean, everybody has like, Oh, but he said these horrible things and he's weird. Well, spoiler, they are all weird. And if you could listen to all of them, they really all say horrible things. It's just Mel got caught one time, mm-hmm. you know, uh, not necessarily the, uh, anti-Semitism stuff, but I'm sure, well, uh, Mel's said a lot weirder things. Um, but who cares? He's a lot of fun. And, 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 uh, I listen, I, you know, I'm perfectly fine, unfortunately, watching a lot of, like, Sean Penn. I, I don't mind Sean Penn as an actor, actually. Like, when he's not super nuts, he's not a bad actor and everything like that. Um, I, I, I'm not like them. I'm not like the cult. I can just let you do your work, and I don't have to, like, have a DNA test to know that, you know, you have this 
genetic moral purity that I agree with. I just assume that everybody in Hollywood is a dirtbag, and and if they came over to my house and sat on my couch, I'd probably burn the couch afterwards. But I enjoy their acting, <laughs> except Tony Hopkins. Oh right, yeah, he's he great. seems fun. He seems fun. He, I think his entire career now was just him making TikTok videos of him dancing everywhere he goes. No. Oh, yeah. Are you serious? No. Like, but he does it not in a stupid way. Oh, okay. He okay. does it in this sort of like, I want to, there's an Italian phrase, like, not la vita loca, but there's a, an Italian phrase for like living the life or something like that. And mm-hmm. so he'll just start crooning and doing opera and like, like he's answering the door, mm-hmm. you know, or he'll be at this event and he'll just start. And it's just, he's oh, just cool. kind of like, uh, but Tony's great. Cause you know, he's a, he's a former alcoholic and he's a pretty hardcore Catholic, I think, but more, maybe even actually more, I don't know. I don't know what his, I don't know if he's Catholic or Christian. I know people have this big, I think he's a Jesus freak like me. And and so you can both be both a Catholic or a Christian or whatever you want. I think you can even be a Jew and be a Jesus freak. But that was a big argument today or this weekend over on one of my friends' page, M.A. Rothman, in which, and this is how I know that he is a full-blown liar and a total bullshitter. And I say that in jest, Mr. Rothman. But when you told me every Jew agreed with you that you can't believe in Jesus and be a Jew... I just laughed and laughed and laughed because you know what? Every Jew agreeing is like, it's like a saying like they have in the car business, which is elephants go to die somewhere and Indians buy cars from someone, but no one knows who. Jews don't agree by their nature. So when you say like every Jew agrees with me that you cannot be a Christian and be a Jew, well, that's how I know you're bullshitting right there because Jews don't agree. But I thought it was funny. Anyways, I, I I got his point, and 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 I and I like the things he was saying. And in his usual fun fractured take, he he um, managed to start an entire firestorm on uh, Easter, because that's how he likes to celebrate religious holidays, both Jewish and Christian. And I think much fun was had by everybody as they they got a fighting chance to get up like we humans do and defend our belief in in our God who loves us by smiting others. <laughs> when you really could have just gone and seen Father Stu. Which you could say is a Jesus movie or what? It's not. It's really raw, and and Jesus is in it, like in a very like weird like strange bar kind of biker messed up. But they actually nail the Jesus portrayal the way that I think it will actually be when you meet Jesus, in that he's pretty jacked up, and um, uh, physically like it's physically like he, it looks physically like he had a lot of scars yeah he's like stuff. really yeah. beaten up. Um, but it's not a Jesus movie. It's, I mean, I mean, the philosophy of what this guy believed and lived. So anyways, he, 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 um, meets this girl that he really likes and he falls for her and she says, well, I'm super hardcore Catholic and I can't be with you. And so he gets baptized just cause he wants to get with her. And, um, like many people, he finds out that, uh, the belief system or a faith system. And I, and I think it's especially with, um, Catholicism, uh, not Catholicism, but Christianity, Jesus freakery, whatever you want to call it, um, it gets into you, you know, like, and, and you begin to realize there's some truths there when you kind of come to the end of yourself. And then maybe it's not so much, but there are people who like to religiously date and stuff like that. And so he pulls a fast one and decides to become a priest. And it's kind of about his journey. And it's not an easy journey. And in fact, it is a series of kicks in the balls by life. Um, and it's, 
it is a happy ending. It's not a happy ending. Like it's it's a really suck fest movie for this guy. But what he has to say and the real I think my favorite scene is when he goes into prison with this other priest and the other priest just has no affinity for the people in there. And he and he he hobbles in on his crutches because he ends up getting as soon as he becomes a priest a horribly debilitating disease. As soon as he's almost becoming yeah. a priest, he's not yeah. even like officially. He's like in the training program, or you know, they yeah. I forgot what that's called. And then either. Roddy McDowell shows up as the Monsignor. And, oh, that's who that. And was. Roddy McDowell is like st- still a great actor. Like he perfectly, because I think everybody associates him as a sociopath from everything he's ever done. <laughs> Um, but he plays a perfect Monsignor in mm. in a in a, in 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 not the sort of Netflix like oh the Christians you know and I'm molesting everybody in power you know like he actually <laughs> he actually seems to be like a guy who got into it for all the right reasons and but you know like so that was fun um, because it's just fun to watch and Mel and and there's no like Mel Gibson because um, he's a bad dad and there's no sort of like there's there's no cliches in this movie it's all super brutal super raw pretty languagey um don't mind that because that it's a real real live movie but um there is a scene in there that uh is incredible there's it's a it becomes a series of incredible scenes but when the girl uh that he he was going to marry but he became a priest and she still supports him and everything like that and uh, when she starts to cry and he tries to brush away her tears, but his hand is so palsied from this thing that he has, it's probably one of the greatest scenes I've ever seen. If this movie weren't a Jesus movie or a Christian movie, you know, or I mean, if everybody in it was gay, lesbian, trans, I think you got to be trans now. I think you got to be trans. If everybody was in it was trans and some color, because color apparently isn't a, an important thing and those people's colors don't mind, even though. There were lots of colors in the movie, and and probably let me just trim it. If this movie wasn't having anything to do with Jesus, everybody would get Oscars. Yeah, exactly. they would literally go give Mel Gibson an Oscar. The Jews in Hollywood Walter. would do it. They were sorry, sorry, Mel, this was so great. We actually have to give it to you, you anti-Semitic, weird Catholic cultist bigot, you know. And everything. It was it was like I mean everybody like if it was on acting and whatever, and we could just forget like all the politics. Like, the acting is so damn good. And yeah. it's just really, really, really good. You were going to say the jailhouse scene, though. You didn't finish Oh, that. the jailhouse scene when he just, like, straight up looks at these cons. And he's like, how many calls do you guys get in here a week? And they're like, one. And he's like, yeah, and your kids probably don't want to hear from you. And your your old lady's probably banging some other dudes. And he just, like, nails them, like, with this playing talk. And then he just looks at him. He's like, but you know who's who will listen to you anytime you want to talk? It's God. And you can just, like... Every, even the convicts, even the supers and backgrounds in that scene, nail that scene. That's how good it is. It's just, and it's it's not a. It is a Jesus movie. It is a Christian movie and everything. It's not too. It's it's a it's a it's a it's more like a Rudy movie. It's just more about a guy who digs in his heels, no matter what, and he's gonna he's gonna take it all the way. But it's unflinching. It's not like. He doesn't have this sort of like beatific, oh, I know everything's all going to work out. You actually watch him in the process of struggling with getting repeatedly kicked in the balls and not understanding why, but continuing to show up. So that's the film review. Your mileage may vary, but 
it's a good movie. I liked it. It's you know like it's there. I, I we have seen a lot of good, like for as much as I complain about Hollywood and everything like that, there have been some real gems lately that I've enjoyed. But I've steered away from all the garbage. You know, I've just gone for these films that everybody's kind of thrown away, you know, or whatever. And and it just shows you the power of how much fun movies can be and people and and how much money Hollywood could make if they would just get rid of, you know, uh, it's like Peter Dinklage, who I always thought was a fun actor and looked nice and everything like that. And so they make Cyrano, but instead they, instead of having a big nose, he's a midge, a little person. And, uh, He's got to come out that week and, and call everybody a bigot because, you know, like because of some something. And it's like huh. it's it's a thing that they do in marketing where the star the week before the movie. I and mean, you can kind of go back and track it. The star before the week before the movie announces has to take some stand on some social just, justice issue. And then everybody can be like, oh, I've got to see this movie because Peter Dinklage was against gas powered cars. And then I am, too. And I just just i feel so much i'm a feeler and i don't want people to think a bigot if i don't see it i don't want i've got to i you know when i go to the liberal husk meeting i've got to have something to talk about so that that is the film review right there we're going to jump over to a little vaccine chat and things like that what are we noticing in the world of vaccine chat what are some of the things that we paid attention to this weekend and week and it's the amazing thing is it's actually been quite quiet um, because we're all the war isn't going the way everybody wants the war to go, which is the Ukrainian Avengers are smashing everybody and leaping around and rolling and firing off multiple man pad missiles from their fingertips and like hero pose down on the knee, you know, looking up through the top of their their eyes while the Russian tank rolls in and then they leap up and they fire the missile and kaboom and then rock and roll soundtrack models it's good to be an american all these kinds of things um that's not really going that way um the russians are winning you okay i could be wrong i think everybody's losing because it's war uh but the russians are accomplishing a lot of their goals and they're probably not going to stop and then here was a big thing that uh everybody missed this week and I saw it. It was pretty. It was pretty like, oh, okay. So we won't talk about that. But uh, the Ukrainians, Zelensky said, um, we need more tank killers, you know, because they want more end laws and man pads and 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 anything they can get that'll kill Russian armor because the Russians are using all as much junk as they can to get blown up. There is a school of thought that says that the Russians are burning all their old Soviet uh, surplus equipment. I don't know that I buy that. It feels a little convenient. The Moskova was sunk, and and I thought people would uulate more over that. Um, Unfortunately, there are a couple of nuclear weapons on board the Moscow at the bottom of the Black Sea, so that'll be interesting. How does that work? I mean, is is that a danger or are they completely just I don't think they'll detonate. I don't think they'll detonate, but someone n- needs to go down there and get those and probably everybody's trying to go down and get there even if it is a war mm-hmm. zone. But I would imagine, you know, I can't not think that we wouldn't have a, a SEAL team to actually go do SEAL things. Because like if the uranium of, leaks out of them that would uh be bad for the ocean. Or? No, you don't want other foreign powers or oh. st- non-state act like you know like you know who'd really like this is this is shock everybody you know who'd really like to get their hands on some nuclear weapons google 
<laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. When you actually look at the geopolitical situation, when we pay attention to a lot of the briefings right now, what a lot of the powers, even the ones that I hate, are worried about are what are called non-state actors right now. And what they mean are the major corporations because the major corporations are starting to... Well, I mean, they're... A lot of people are saying right now in the United States government that the corporations are actually running the government. I know that I think it's... Is it Raytheon that's running payroll mm-hmm. for the government? Somebody is running... Is it the one that they said is the biggest by far um, Yeah. of those type of companies? It's the other one, Lockheed. Lockheed, Lockheed that's right. Lockheed's running payroll for the government right now. The funny thing that no one's talking about is the civil service, which also was a huge sort of um, African-American job base is absolutely being annihilated and no one's talking about that because the government is now outsourcing much of its work to corporations because those corporations are actually running the show. And the thing that they want now, like Bill Bill Gates' Gavi Foundation, wanting to be recognized as an actual government, as an actual country, is many of these non-state actors are now looking to acquire things that have usually been under the purveyance of, of countries. And do you do I think that Google wants nuclear weapons? Yeah, I think that they've talked about it. I think they wouldn't mind having them. I think lots of corporations wouldn't mind having them. So now there's two wild and loose down there at the bottom of the Black Sea. But I think the Clintons sold a bunch of nuclear weapons to everybody as fast as they could, which is what they're trying to cover up in the Ukraine. Mm-hmm. I know. This podcast has been wild. <laughs> well, it's been a while, so there's yeah. lots to talk about. But we're gonna we're gonna podcast more, fam. Shout out. <laughs> Um, so, uh, so you were on the vaccine. The vaccine. So everything got kind of quiet because I think the Ukraine there there just feels like a little pause, holding their breath. Um, the Russians are going to, in my opinion, ultimately win. Or what I really theorize will happen is there will be some sort of draw, actually, um, where uh, both sides may agree to kind of like have a. I don't know that it'll necessarily be uh, a proxy war, but to maybe stop doing it. The one, and I I keep getting off on some tangents, the one thing people might have missed this week is that Germany uh, is now probably most likely going to throw all in with NATO when they've been hesitant not to, because I think the word on the street is they've been promised um, management of the Ukraine, especially the industrial sector, if NATO wins. For Russia, I think this is a life-or-death existential threat. So so there is that. Um, but what I what I envision happening, actually, is if if Russia doesn't... If, if, if Russia is actually using its army, which I would say 70% most likely they are actually using their best stuff, I think there's a 30% chance that the Russians are playing a really smart game of burning all their old equipment... Um, because this was the thing that I didn't get around to touching on. Zelensky said, hey, we need more stuff. And the, the United States said, um, you're using up all of your anti-armor capabilities that we just shipped you at an unprecedented rate. Mm. It will take more time to ship you more. And you actually just used up one third of our stocks. Whoa. So, yeah, no one paid attention to that. There's not. <laughs> not and so it, it's like the, the globalist elite said, hey, we should have World War Three. And no one thought, yeah, World War Three costs a lot of actual ammunition and bullets, and you'd be surprised how fast that that stuff burns up, and it's burning up a lot faster than everybody thought. And so, 
if the Russians were using the attrition, you know, like basically taking all their old Soviet junk and letting it get shot up filled with con conscripts, in about the next week or so, I would imagine we would actually see the real Russian army with the high-tech stuff and the better trained troops begin to roll because there isn't a lot of anti-armor capability left in the equation right now. And hey, so at least that's less um, ammo and stuff that our government can use on us if it, if it yeah. goes that way. Yeah, when you get ar around to it, uh, I mean, it's a terrible thought to think, but... I mean, when you, they've said it, you know, like yeah. they, they've said we're all terrorists and we're, I, I believe you. I 100% believe that you think I'm a terrorist, a domestic terrorist, because I, I don't agree with your policies and I think you're a bunch of crooks. Um, I think that you, I think that you would kill me if you could. Yeah. Um, and I think it's in your hearts to do so. And I think that, you know, it's in their hearts to do that to a lot of people. Uh, Grantham is right now doing a series of videos on urban warfare. I highly recommend those. Uh, maybe we'll drop that video into the chat. But there hasn't been a lot of vaccine talk. And even some of sort of the most vocal proponents and things like that have, I've noticed, have gotten a little quieter. And I wondered if people chilled. What I am noticing just in doing my going around count, um, people who were vaccinated are continually st sick. Still still noticing that. But there, there is... There is an appreciable lack of, of vaccine injury talk and things like that. There was a strange story that came out about snake venom. Um, you, I think we may have dropped that. Yeah, we it. talked about it. I'm not. I'm still not sure on that one because I think it's it's an and 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 it did seem to fracture the sort of anti-vaccine movement and like the super brains all said, oh no, this is all bullshit. Not all of them. Not all of them, but but the sort of like big hitters. And then some of them said, no, 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 I, I don't think you're listening. He's not saying snake venom is in the water. He's saying that snake peptides, venom peptides, were used in the production of the COVID virus and, more importantly, the vaccine. And and so the jury's still out, but it's still an, art, uh, an argument kind of worth investigating and looking into. And it could be a psyop uh, to divide everybody and to make it look stupid. I don't know. But... It's still it's still worth considering, and and the silence and the psyop are both data points to continue to navigate by to see what's coming, because at the same time, there still is a level of injury and death, and the people who are vaccinated are do seem to be suffering from health problems in life that I'm observing in personal life, and life online and life out and about. We're gonna play something here, where some guys who are doing sports down in Australia actually say what they're not supposed to say and it's worth sort of considering and listening to um and it's kind of stunning because at the end of the day we were hit by a bioweapon someone like no one thinks this came from bat soup now but we were hit by with a bioweapon and no one wants to know who did it or why or what the reasons are and you still have Fauci and Gates and many others saying you are going to need more vaccinations. I can guarantee you beyond a shadow of a doubt, the lockdowns are coming back. They're trying to trot out the numbers. They all played sick last week in Washington, D.C. They're screwing. They're, they're, we are never going to be free of this until we find out what happened. And it's, it's just going to be, they want this to be something that they can always go to 
when they need more control, when they need to. But I think we'll see this pretty soon, at some point in the summer most likely, and it'll be to absolutely stop the elections because I don't think we're getting to elections. I hope I'm wrong. I hope we do get to elections and everything like that. But, I mean, for the left to go into elections would be pure suicide right now. And they are way too close to CBDCs. Central bank digital currencies. Yeah, sure, that's, that's the big ticket item. They're way... Like, if they if they got a DeSantis or a Trump, that's over. That's over. I mean, maybe the Republicans will come through for them. And I wouldn't put it past them. But they are so close to getting digital money. And all they've got to do is have one more pandemic, martial law, tank the economy. Some people have posited they'll probably try to uh, kill a major government figure and then declare martial law. Um, It's very interesting. So um, what we're going to play here real quick, and we're going to say hopefully this works, the audio works and everything like that. We're trying a little something new on the Control-Alt-Revolt show, but it's some guys who are sportscasters talking uh, about the vaccine and saying what people should be saying, asking what I mean, asking the questions people should be asking that no one's asking. And instead, we're we're distracted by Elon Musk. We're distracted by the Ukraine. When you were hit by a bioweapon, you are a bioweapon survivor. Like if someone drove by your house and took a shot at you and hit your kid or something, wouldn't you want to know who did that? And the, and the cops are like, you know, did you know Elon Musk is going to buy Twitter? I don't care. Did you know the Ukrainians are fighting for their... I don't even fucking care about the Ukrainians. I was hit by a bioweapon. You were too. So let's listen to this. Ollie wants to just uh, watch this space at this stage. Nothing coming out of the Port Adelaide team this morning came over. He's subbing out of the game on Thursday night for nausea slash heart reasons. He spent time in hospital and yeah, it's just a it's a big unknown as to as to when he will play again. It may be as soon as this week, but nothing coming out of the club. There's a lot of this going on in world sport at the moment. Well, in the world. World sport? Yeah, I, I think a lot of athletes have got these issues. And are you, Brownie, referring to the booster shots oh, and the booster shots? That's obviously yeah. um, the word going around. Look, it's, it's been discussed. I haven't been able to get an official line on that from anyone attached to, to Ollie Wines at this stage. But yeah, the question is being asked and put to me and, and others, including yourself, uh, by a lot of people about but a possibility of that. But it's not it's not just the heart issues. I mean, like you know, without delving into your private affairs, um, you know, you've got Bell's palsy at the moment, which hopefully you're on the back end of that. But there's a bit of that going around as well. Yeah, exactly. It's got heart issues and Bell's palsy has gone through the roof uh, since the, the boosters and, and COVID issues. So no doubt. And we had Michael Angelo Rucci on AW on Friday night and he said that wines is it's, it's a field there's a ward filled with people with similar symptoms in Adelaide to Ollie Wines so nausea heart issues so there has to be something more to it yeah and, and just we're not anti-vaxxers we've all done our due diligence with our booster shots and all that sort of stuff but there is going to have to be some study done on this mm-hmm. not just in a sporting yeah. sphere yeah. but uh, a glo- you know like a community sphere. And, and you're right though because we don't want to get into the space we're not experts in at all but but well, we do two hours of that every sunday don't we, we often do that but <laughs> when it comes to the medical side we try and stay clear so you know there's a guy literally in that conversation who has bell's palsy they're talking about wards in adelaide which is a city down there in australia filled with bell's palsy patients heart attacks all of these things we were hit by a bioweapon and no one wants to know no one wants to talk about it they want to talk about the ukraine 
which has nothing to do with your life other than the fact that our idiot leaders are attempting to provoke a nuclear war for reasons I fully still can't understand and an argument that has not been made clear to me other than if you don't do this, you're not an American. And I'm like, oh, okay, that, that's interesting. So you're just going to say, uh, uh, because I don't want to go off on a, a, you know, anyways. The vaccine is the biggest thing. The bioweapon is the biggest thing. Um, the bioweapon is not the biggest thing. The bioweapon is what caused the vaccine. And you can look at statistics now that say the, the level of injury from the vaccine outweighs the actual death from the, the the virus. And I think if you take away a lot of that early kind of suspect death where governors like Cuomo and Newsom and Whitmer and the current Secretary of Health and Human Services, that dude who thinks he's a woman, shoved the vulnerable and the elderly into confined spaces in order in an attempt to kill them if you get rid of those numbers, I mean, the deaths from COVID are, are, are dramatic, uh, uh, just not. So there's the, but we were hit by a bioweapon, but no one cares. And they don't want you to care because they're going to do this again, because it, it really was a success. And when you, you look at the people who are vaccinated, I'm hearing a lot of stories of I'm constantly sick or other degenerative issues. And and I know that you go into a hospital and you say, could this be because of the vaccine? And I've heard stories that they will say, if you say that, we will not treat you. The Hippocratic Oath has gone out the door. I would never, I, I find it hard to ever trust another doctor again. So I think that's still the most serious issue. And, and the silence around it right now is deafening. It's as deafening as the Tiffany Dover silence has been the entire time. It does feel like an ominous, hot, sweaty August afternoon waiting for a lightning storm to hit. Uh, I don't know, but I think it's a con I think it's a bigger concern to you than the Ukraine. I think it's a bigger concern to you actually than the free speech battle of Elon Musk, whether that's true or not or legit. Um, hey, isn't it great that BlackRock? swooped in and bought all those shares so that Elon Vanguard, Vanguard yeah. you know, those guys like, I mean, just that tells you the whole game right there. tells mm -hmm. you the whole game right there. But with a little palate cleanser. We're going to play something for you now that went down at what school is this? Duke University. A palate cleanser, like the opposite. <laughs> I just want to tell you where the kids are at. If you're thinking about sending your kids to college this year, I highly, I highly encourage you to not send them to the military either. And I say that as a veteran, but uh, find something else for your kids to do, because this is what is coming. This is the state of affairs. This is the debt. The kids are feral. Uh, there was a girl who was chased around on campus because she's a conservative. They threw rocks at her. Like Whoa. colleges are becoming zoos. Um, but here is probably the most nonsensical thing that I have ever heard. This is a uh, religious service. I mean, they call it that. I would call it a blasphemy service. Yeah, but. it's a it, to uh, a their gay god. They're something like they're queer. Yeah, god but they they basically something? decided to hold a religious service to their queer god. 
because that's what you do on Easter. I love that on Easter, no one can just let everybody have Easter or Passover. That everybody's got to get in everybody's kitchen. I even get it from sort of some non-believers, and they'll, you know, like it's just like, hey, let me have a, a Jesus day. I let you have all the atheist days. I don't jump on your your stupid non-belief system that makes no sense, you know, or or whatever. I just figure everybody believe. I don't go over to the the Hindus on you know multi-headed elephant tentacle day. And say, you guys are the biggest bunch of idiots in the entire world. I just let everybody believe what they want to be. But I'm never not surprised on on uh, Easter, Passover, um, when everybody's got to kind of wade in and dunk. That sort of Neil, DeGra- Neil deGrasse Tyson thing, like enjoying Christmas. Well, let me tell you something uh, about a star. You know, that has, you know, And it's just like, I know that you feel that this is your mission in life to basically be a fart in a space helmet for the entire society. But... What do you care what people believe? Why, yeah. why did, let them believe? Let even even Marx said religion is an opiate for the masses, and everybody's taken that to mean something else. A lot of people don't know that Marx suffered from horrible tooth pain, and what he was saying when he said that is, religion may be nothing, but it does comfort suffering people. And I've seen enough suffering suffering people in this life to know that only an asshole would would kick the crutch out from somebody who is suffering um somebody whose muscles don't work anymore like if if they say oh i believe in the rose god and i like walking here and and smelling this and and all i could this is all i can do with my walker and i'm blind and i can see out of one eye and i'm miserable and everything but this rose gives me happy i'm like okay okay i don't need to show up on your special rose day and dunk on you for it. But of course, college needed to dunk on everybody for Easter by worshiping their gay god. And just making up, like, basically taking a lot of, like, actual religious words and then being nonsense. But these are kids. These are kids, and this is their life. They're not doing STEM. This is a girl. She's not doing STEM. She's not doing science, math. She's not doing anything productive. She's just here doing this shit. So it's a cult, and uh, the uh, Mystery Science Theater Theater 3000 track, that was uh, from the Crowder Show and Dave Lando and Gerald. Uh, It was the only place I could get that clip, so I had to clip it from there. That's a great show, Louder the Crowder. You should go over and join Mug Club. Those guys are awesome. They're so much fun. Uh, it's a it's it's a it's a funny and irreverent. They did a, a sketch today on the Powerpuff Girls on the Squad, and it was completely jacked up. It was hilarious. I laughed hard. The Medusa laughed even even harder. Even harder. <laughs> 
So uh, that's the kids. The kids. It's not a cult, anybody. The MAGA. If you're in MAGA, that's the cult. Yeah, and Trump is your glorious leader. Uh, we never had a church service with Trump where we prayed to Trump. He just said, "He just said, I'm here for you. You guys are all forgotten. The bigwig scumbags, who I am one of, have screwed all of you. I feel bad. No one ever did presidenting as good as I did. But the only person in the MAGA cult was Trump. That was the only guy. But you know what? That that is Trump's weird, high-functioning Aspergers. Is that he is in his own cult, but he never asked any of us to be." But it's just, it's hilarious that they're in such a cult that they have to do those things. It is so, it's so weird that that would even be part of college. Awesome. But you can't have, you can't pray before the the football team for, you have to do this. Like, it's funny, like all the things that they railed about in the 90s and the 80s, like, you know, flared nostrils, pencil mustache, atheist dad. I just don't want my son playing on uh, a high school team that prays to a, a sky spaghetti pizza before the big game. But then 20 years later, we can pray to an imaginary lesbian God of which there's not even the shred of, of evidence. There's no, there's no like, it's like Islam has more evidence for their God than the, the lesbian queer people. It was just, it was odd. It was odd. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what were they saying? Well, at least it could have been like a gay god because he'd be more fun <laughs> than a lesbian. Lesbians aren't fun. <laughs> no, Lesbians like, are the least no. fun people you'll ever meet. Oh, I was going to say like, I love how like you guys hate religion so much, but then you completely copy it like practically. Yeah, I was just saying, if, like, you, if you hate yeah. it so much, why like. Yeah, why didn't so you close? why didn't you be like, hey, we, we, we decided to get together and have an orgy. And uh, everybody do whatever you want. It's like, no, no, no. We hate religion so much. We have to do exactly what religion is doing. Totally copy it. But we have to do it our way. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, but these are the people that say, oh, I hate Star Wars so much because it's so white and so bigoted and and everything like that. And so we're going to do Star Wars our way. And it's like, it literally tanks a brand. It Mm -hmm. tanks the most successful science fiction brand of all time. And it's, it's, you know, my dad would talk to me about when he was flying airplanes and he'd be cruising along as the captain and he'd get some co-pilot and the co-pilot would say, uh, well, this is the way we used to do it over at this failed airline. And my dad said, well, that airline's out of business and you're here now and this is the way you're going to do it. And it's kind of like, it's, it's funny, like the amount of people that have to, that want to copy failure and, and, and can't be original and just, think up something on their own and have fun. I would say like going back to that father's stew thing, it was probably the most original thing I've seen. It wasn't, you know, they didn't, they didn't feel the need to be like, Oh, you know what we should do? We should remake, uh, um, angels with dirty faces, but now it's black gangster kid. And, and it's a, it's a, it's a gay lesbian priest, you know, but that's all the left can do is like, they can say, well, this thing was really good. And people really liked that. Let's do it now, but with our fractured, skewed, lesbian agenda, trans, queer, LBTQ, I take on everything, mighty girl power, and it's like, and then the audience says, I have no interest in seeing this. I think that you could tell some mighty girl, lesbian, GQ, TBI, diarrhea, letters, stories that are interesting, but here's what you would need to do. You would need to tell some original stories. I bet you you would here here. 
I will give you a clue as a writer. Just tell your stories. Tell your truth. Stop trying to go, you know, the Brendan Fraser movie, George of the Jungle. Let's tell it now, but now Brendan is a tran man. (laughs) No, it's not the same thing. Just make up a new thing. And, And usually that's from your story. Stop taking everybody else's stories, clubbing them to death, skinning them, and then wearing them around and saying, look at me, I tran man George of the Jungle. Yeah. I mean, because they, they, you could tell, and I have, pr- I can make a good argument for why, you could tell that they took this guy's story and they told it really truthfully, and they didn't kowtow to any agenda, and here's how I know, I just was thinking about this. If they were gonna, if they were kowtowing to an agenda, it would be a Christian or a Catholic agenda, because that was, like, the main point of the movie, yet, there was a lot of cussing in it. Now, that is going to keep some Christians away from it. Yeah. For example, I would totally tell my parents to see it, but they don't like cursing in movies and this has a lot of it so I can't tell them to see it unfortunately but and so why do I think he put that in there I think he put that in there because that was this actual guy's story I think him and his family talked like that they had salty language and he was just making it real like this is this guy's real story and this is how he talked before he you know before he found God and and I'm gonna keep it real and like we listen to the Brett Easton Ellis who's gay and a screenwriter, he's a guy who wrote Less Than Zero and a few other things. Uh, um, American Psycho. And um, he was saying the same thing, because he's kind of become a conservative in a certain way and is now non-personed. Um, but he was saying, like, and he was saying, like, this really great point. He's like, there are no gay movies for people like me. He's saying all the gays that you see on TV are the Disney gays. Yep. There's no one that's like weird and nuts and all this kind of stuff that I am in these real stories. And he, he named a few like obscure movies. He's like, but everything else is just like a lie about what gay people are really are. Right. And and he was just saying, just have the courage to tell that story and the audience will probably come and see it that wants to see it. But instead what they say is like, well, what we want to do is we want to, and this is, the, you, this is always the big tell, we want to confront the normies. But you're not confronting us with anything. With lies? <laughs> you're, you're not confronting us with Bryce, the gay guy who just really wants a boyfriend in his life so that so that he can be like all the other couples. That's not gay culture. No. That's not gay culture. They don't do that. It's a lie to even think that. They're the biggest bunch of whores you've ever met in their world. And I only say that because I know them. And they're all cool with it. And, and they all, you know, are generally that way. And that's how they want to live their life. But they know that it's abhorrent within Western civilization. If you really wanted to be brave and you really wanted to make those kind of movies, just make them. And don't try to get everybody. Because I don't in my fiction or anything. I don't try to win everybody over. I just tell my stories. And I know that a certain amount of the population are going to have epileptic seizures and get pissed off. And And they don't read them. And I don't want them to read them. I don't want the one-star reviews. I don't want to waste their time, and I don't want to offend... Here's here's the thing that I would say that it might shock people. I don't want to offend people who hate me. I'm not interested in that. Like, I, I, I don't... I don't want to waste... You're spending money. I don't want to waste your money and your time having a bad time telling, you know, reading something that I've written that's just for fun. I just want to entertain people who want to have this kind of fun, and, and it's not all the people in the world. It's It's a... It's a percentage, and I, I'm just happy to get as much of that percentage as I can. 
I don't labor under the delusion. I'm not such a narcissist like so many of my fellow writer friends are, which is I need to be loved by everybody. And it's like, spoiler, you won't be loved by everybody. And it's the same thing with Hollywood. If you want to make these kind of films about these agendas, stop trying to confront normies and just make your films for your people. And you know what? Probably a lot of people will go and see those movies and you won't have to piss off everybody else. And then here's another thing you could do that would be really successful. You have enough room and budget to make some normie films, to make some films for those. You don't need to confront people. Just make those films for those people and make those films for those people. And then you'll, in the end, get everybody. Because you can. Just don't pick sides. Just say, hey, gay guy who, you know, like a screenwriter, don't write us full house but with a gay character. Write us gay bathhouse but with a straight character, you know. And he's the rando. I don't know. Just write your stories. Write what you want to do. Yes, it's going to piss everybody off. But you know what? Lately, everything pisses everybody off. Ask my friend M.A. Rothman. <laughs> if these lifestyles are so wonderful, you should be able to tell their stories truthfully. And people... Oh, the Medusa it. comes out of the corner swinging. It's <laughs> the same. ninth round. Why do you have to lie about how these lifestyles are? And like portray them in ways that they just really aren't. I mean, unless they know deep down that it won't play well. And I think I think literally you just ended this episode on the G.I. Joe note where one of the G.I. Joe characters would come out in their outfit and they would say Unknowing is, is half, half the, the battle. battle. But you would say the lesson. <laughs> yeah. And the lesson is if these stories are like North Star but we have to give you like a G.I. Joe name like Arctic Fury. <laughs> you know. But Arctic Fury would come out and the kids would be all like doing something asinine the 88 80s kids did like riding bikes and throwing sticks at turtles and then and then arctic fury would come out and say if these stories are so wonderful then why don't you have the balls to tell them and knowing is half, half the, the battle gi joe a real american hero that's the podcast <laughs>